The Old Testament reading this morning comes from the cha uh, Genesis, the 12th chapter, beginning with the first verse, found on page 8 of your pew Bibles. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The New Testament reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning with the verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. The beginning... From the end, this past Friday night, Jessica and I went out on a date. Because we're older, we tried to make it to the matinee. We tried to hurry. We tried to get there early, but we arrived about 20 minutes late, which usually means you get there right when the previews end, right when the movie begins. But that didn't happen this time. When we walked in, they were already talking. We didn't know what they were talking about. We didn't know who anyone was. We went and saw the movie Ad Astra. It's a thriller, a little bit more of a thriller than Jessica would usually prefer, but we made it through. They were talking. Lots of things happened. We got to the end. It finished. And I looked at Jessica and I said, I wonder what happened in the beginning to make sense of the end. We didn't know what was going on the entire movie. I still don't know what happened at the beginning of the movie. I didn't pay to go and see the first 10 minutes again. What happens at the beginning of the story is very important to understand the end of the story. We were coming to the end of the story of Luke. We're not showing up late. If you have shown up late, you can go back and you can read the beginning of the story. But the beginning of the story is very important understand the end of the story. At the end of Luke's gospel, the earthly ministry of Jesus is finished. And Luke launches into his second book, the book of Acts, by displaying the power of God working through the Holy Spirit and his people. The gospel describes the power of God 
through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Acts of the Apostles is the power of God through, the, through Christ's death and resurrection by the working of the Spirit inside of them. Christ would suffer, is what the Gospel says. Christ will rise from the dead. This is the story. God has taken his fallen world and he has redeemed it through Jesus. This is the gospel that Jesus preached. The kingdom has come. Jesus is now reigning over his creation. The gospel is the power of God for all, that, for all who believe. But this is not the end of the story. It is just the beginning of God's power in this world. The gospel is to be proclaimed to every nation. Today we are looking at what happened. Next week, John, because he couldn't let me finish, Luke, John will be preaching on the implications of what happened on the resurrection. What we will see today is that we are, we are not God. But God provides for us what we need to do his mission. We will look at three things that God provides for us. We will look at the bestowal of the Spirit, the benediction of the Son, and the blessing of the Father. But before we begin, let, let us pray. Father, there is nothing I can say that will change my own heart or that will change any of our hearts if the Spirit is not at work here today. Lord, we ask us, we ask for you to bless us. Lord, we pray for William Stevens. Heal him. We pray for Braylon. Heal her. We pray for Scott and Sandy Stingle. Rebuild their home. We pray for Jay Walker, who has lost a friend. We pray for John Sartell. May you bless this marriage. Lord, we pray for the marriages at Christ Presbyterian Church. Protect us. Teach us how to bear one another's burdens. Lord, we pray for the widows at Christ Presbyterian Church. May they find their, their identity in Christ and Christ alone. And may this church support them and bless them. We pray for our single parents. Strengthen them. Remind them of the gospel hope in Christ. We pray for our children. May you work inside of them in a supernatural way. Give us strength to love them when they are unlovable. Give us guidance that we might point them to the cross of Christ when we have nothing left to offer. 
Lord, we pray for the churches in Fayette County. May they preach the gospel of Jesus, of his death and his resurrection. For this is your power that you have given us for salvation. We pray for our sister church, Independent Presbyterian Church, and their ministers and their people. Lord, may they be a light into the nations in East Memphis. We pray for those that are moving into our county. It seems that we, every time we turn around, there's someone new. Lord, may we teach them what it is to be a disciple of Jesus by loving them, by serving them. Lord, we pray for our governor and our senators. Give them wisdom on how to lead our state. May they be good representatives of justice and mercy. We pray for those that are affected by Dorian and by the flooding in Houston. May those churches support those that are in need. We pray for President Trump that you will give him wisdom, that he will seek justice and humility and show the mercy that we have received in Christ. We pray for the Shibes as they are missionaries in Scotland. May they be a light unto the world. We pray for Alan Cochet as he is in France. Bless the work that he is doing and ministering to missionaries there. We pray for Jeff and Lisa Saunders as they spread the gospel in Japan. Lord, may you rise up missionaries from this church whether they be adults or children, may you give us a passion for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. For this is what you have commissioned us to do, to be a light in the darkness. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We often give a friend that's moving away a gift. Sometimes we throw a party. Sometimes we have a small gathering of friends and we give them a gift that will be meaningful for them. When Jessica and I were getting ready to move from Northwest Arkansas to St. Louis, I had a group of men who I had met with for three years and we gathered together and they gave me a gift that was very meaningful. Now, this group of men, we had been through a lot together. We had actually started as a small group, meeting as couples with our wives, but we decided we wanted this group to be a little bit different. We met each Sunday night and we studied God's word. Then after we had met for about a year, we decided we want to share our stories with one another. And these weren't just stories of our marriage, of our engagement, of funny wedding stories. We decided that we would share each of our individual stories what we believed when we grew up, what we struggled with, how what we believed and what we grew up in and what we struggled with before we were married, how does that affect our marriage now? Because we wanted to know each other's stories so that we could speak the gospel into each other's lives. We wanted it to be more than, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? We wanted it to be 
we know what you're going through right now. You told us. How is that boss at work that doesn't seem to get it? How is your wife struggling with postpartum depression? How can we serve you? And then the group grew. And the group split. It was technically more of a splant than a split. We didn't split because we no longer liked each other or disagreed with each other. But this group of couples split because we wanted to expand what was going on. We wanted there to be more groups, more people sharing the story so that we can speak the gospel into each other's lives. But the men of this group decided that we wanted to continue to meet together. And we met together for three years every Sunday night in a gas station. And there we prayed together. And we wept together as people lost jobs. We praised together because three of us had our first child in those three years. Before we left, this group of men met with me and they gave me a gift that meant something very special to me. Here we see Jesus, the Christ, has spent three years with his disciples. He has taught them as they walked. They've probably slept outside together. They've probably slept together in really cramped houses. They did life together ever since Jesus had called them to follow him. And now Jesus is saying, I will give you a gift. The gift is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. This is something that John the Baptist announced at the beginning of Luke, that this would be the sign of the Messiah. John in his gospel says he is the helper. In John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus is telling his disciples. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This gift is exactly what the disciples need. Because Jesus is sending them on a mission. And without this gift, they are unable to fulfill their mission. The gift of the Spirit is absolutely necessary for the gospel to be proclaimed. Without the Spirit, not even the preaching of the word will be effective. No one has ever come to faith in Jesus. No one has ever turned in repentance and asked for forgiveness for their sins. No one has ever been redeemed by Jesus. No one has ever been justified, sanctified without the Spirit. Of God. Without the bestowal of the Holy Spirit, the apostles, the disciples, the church will never be able to do what it's set out to do to proclaim the gospel of Christ. It is the Spirit that convicts us of our sin. It is the Spirit that turns our heart of stone into a stone, into a heart of flesh. It is the Spirit who has raised us up in Christ. It is the Spirit that gives us new life in Christ. It is the Spirit that is making all things new. 
This is the gift that Christ gave his disciples. If you go and look in Acts 2, it's very significant. The believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. Hence why we pour water in baptism. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. They are now ready for their mission to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus to the nations. If we do not understand our deep need of the Holy Spirit, our mission will fail. For our mission is not dependent upon our own strength, but the power of God, the Christ, the, the cross of Christ, and the power of the Spirit. And this should give us great hope. For as we work in evangelism, which I know we all do very, very well, as we work in proclaiming the gospel, as we work to expand the kingdom of God, this is where this hope is. It's not up to us. It's the work of the Spirit of God. Yet we are still called to do the work of God. God is at work and he has commissioned us to be his agents and to proclaim, proclaim the king has come. Repent. God never calls his people to do something on their own. Yet he never calls them to do something that he will not empower them to do. What does this mean for you? How has God's power through the Holy Spirit given you the ability to proclaim the gospel? Because this is a call for all disciples without distinction. Our job is to proclaim the gospel. Last week, John read from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, where Paul speaks of, speaks of the strength and power that we receive through the Spirit of God living inside of us. Yet when we turn to Ephesians 4, this power is what equips God's people to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. This is the power that allows the saints to maintain unity in a bond of peace. This is the power that is able that enables us to speak truth in love to one another. The power of the Spirit is what holds the church together. Without it, we will fail. This is the gift that Christ bestowed on his church. This is the spirit that lives inside of us. This is the same power that enabled Christ to fulfill his earthly mission. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. This same spirit now empowers us to proclaim the good news. God bestowed on us the Spirit, and God also gave us the benediction of the Son. A benediction, what is it? Benediction is a blessing. If you look at your bulletin, it is the last thing that we do every week here. 
Yet the benediction is arguably the most, the least understood part of our worship. It's important because it sends us, the worshipers of God, on our way with a parting peace of God. This is much more fitting for the Christian gospel because it is not a command which simply implies go and work hard and earn God's favor. It's not a well-wish which just conveys that I, I I hope you have a good week. No, the benediction that John and I give as ministers of the word and sacrament is the proclamation to God's people in the name of Christ that God might bless you and enable you to do his work in the world today by his grace. Robert Rayburn says this, No worshipers should ever set forth to serve in their own strength. They must ever be dismissed in the name of the Lord with the assurance of the power and presence that the triune God accompanies them always. The same Son who sent the Spirit of the Father is blessing us today. Did you hear that? The Son of God sent the Spirit of God to bless you to do your mission. Whenever a minister proclaims a benediction, God's blessing is repeated as if Jesus himself was raising his nail-ridden hands to bless you with his grace. He is giving us strength for the ministry. He is comforting us in our suffering. He is giving us hope for the future because he will return. He is calling us to serve as a blessing to the nation. Jesus blesses us so that we might bless others. The benediction is a priestly act of blessing God's people with the grace of God. You have heard three benedictions from this pulpit. John has a modified version of 2 Corinthians 13. 14, and it reads this way, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'm sure all of you can finish his words. I use two different benedictions. The first one is found in Hebrews 13. The second benediction, though, is found in Numbers 6. This is a benediction that God gave to Moses to give to Aaron, the high priest, to bless the people of God with. And this is what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Jesus, in his ascension, did this priestly act of blessing his people as the new high priest. Christ's benediction reminds us of what we need. Because we cannot do our mission on our own. We need God to bless us to fulfill our mission. We need God to bless us for us to love others. We need God to bless us to be followers of Jesus because we are not God and we cannot do it on our own. The entire Christian life is fully and completely based upon the grace of God to enable us to do what he has called us to do. He has bestowed upon us the power of the Spirit 
to fulfill our mission. He has given us his benediction, his blessing, to remind us of our need of his grace to fulfill that mission. Jesus is fulfilling Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. For what, does, what do we read there? What does God promise Abraham? He says, I will make your name great and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. He has blessed us so that we might bless others. God always saves us from something. He saves us from our sin, but God always saves us to something, to bless others through the preaching of the gospel, through acts of love and service. But he never asks us to do those on our own strength because he knows we can't. He gives us a spirit so that we can do it. From beginning to end, our salvation and hope and power come by the grace of God. The benediction is not a statement of go and do likewise. It is a benediction says, go, the triune God has promised to be with you. He will strengthen you when you don't have enough strength. He will never leave you. He has promised to redeem you. He has redeemed you in Christ. Go and proclaim the gospel because of the strength you've received. Very often in churches, people raise their hands to receive the benediction. If you've seen me here, I've, I've done it a few times. Now, this is not something we customarily do here at Christ Presbyterian Church. And however much I want to instill in you Christian freedoms and not burden you with something that is unbiblical, not, I'm not saying it's unbiblical, is that the biblical doesn't warrant, but it does not explicitly tell us to do this. However, oftentimes congregations raise their hands to receive the benediction first to show a physical gesture of a spiritual reality. We need Jesus. We need God's blessing in Jesus to go from here. And it does a second thing. It reminds us that we are charged to fulfill our calling to proclaim the gospel to the world. And unless we receive this blessing, we are unable to do it. I raise my hands because I need Jesus. I raise my hands because on Monday through Saturday, I usually forget it is him that sustains me by the power of his word. This priestly blessing following the priests of the Old Testament was a blessing that Jesus gave to his apostles to give to the church to assure them that he is always with them wherever he goes. We're supposed to remember that Monday through Saturday. Jesus is raised from the dead. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father Almighty. You are not left to your own strength. God is with us. The bestowal of the Holy Spirit, the benediction of the Son, the blessing of the Father. The beginning from the end. Unlike my last two points, the direction has been down, downward, God to us. He bestows on us the Holy Spirit. He blesses us in the benediction. This blessing of the Father could be understood in the same direction. However, I want to change the direction. As we see in this passage, verses 52 and 53, it says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. 
with great joy and, and were continually in the temple blessing God. We have been blessed so that we can bless. We have been blessed so that we can worship. Our blessings in Christ, our receiving of the Holy Spirit should always elicit a certain response. I tell the students in our youth group, when we read scripture, always pay attention to how people respond. Lots of times they respond correctly, as we see the disciples. Sometimes they respond incorrectly, and we need to know why they respond incorrectly. Here, the people of God respond correctly. God has blessed them in Christ and bestowed the Spirit upon them, and so they go to the temple and worship. And this is where we come to the end. But this is also where we find ourselves in the beginning. For in Luke 1, this is exactly where we found Zacharias praying for a son. In Luke 2, this is exactly where we find Simeon in the word, in the temple, blessing God, asking him that he might bring the salvation to, to God's people. This is what he says in Luke 2, 28-35. He, Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. In Luke 24, Simeon's words are fulfilled in Christ. Salvation has come. In Luke 24, no longer is it one man in Luke 1 and one man in Luke 2 worshiping God, but we see a group of people worshiping and blessing God for what he has done in Christ. And yet this is just the beginning. The blessing of God is our correct response for what he has done for us in Christ, and Christ has ascended, and now we are to bless God because the promised one has come. Our helper lives inside of us. And this is why we confess in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus ascended into heaven, for if he did not ascend, he would not have sent his helper. And this is the joy that we sang of. Joy to the world. The Savior has come. Luke 24 shows the fulfillment of the beginning chapters. We must know the beginning of the story to understand the end of the story. But this is just the beginning. Because the same Spirit that descended and was poured upon the apostles in Acts 2 is poured upon Christ's Presbyterian Church for all those who believe. And we are called to be a blessing. It's interesting. If you look at Psalm 67, we find all three of these points that I've made in one psalm in three verses. This is what it reads. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Number six. That your way might be known to all the earth your saving power among the nations. This is the purpose clause. Why does God bless us and make his face shine upon us? So that we might make him known through all the earth, the saving power among the nations. And then this is verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all peoples praise you. 
We have been blessed by the Spirit. We have been called with a purpose of proclaiming the word of the gospel. And this should elicit the response of God's people and all the world. Praise be to God the Father Almighty. This is the correct response of God's people. How does this response change your life? How do we as God's people bless God the Father Almighty for what he has done in Christ and the power of his spirit living inside of us? This should change the way that we pray for our meals once a day. This should change the way we raise up our children. The burden of changing their heart is not upon us, but we are still called to share the gospel with them, to speak truth in love, to seek peace and justice for all, so that all might bow and worship the Father. Amen. Let us stand and confess the Apostles' Creed before we bless the Lord.